Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Ollie Sharp. Ollie has an extensive leadership background in the technology space. He is known for developing high performing sales teams with a strong focus on fostering talent. Ollie is currently the VP of Revenue and Mayor at Salesloft, following a tenure leading successful teams at LinkedIn in the UK. Ollie is passionate about the art and science of sales, delivering exceptional customer experiences and shaping culture in hyper-growth businesses. His record of success in disruptive technology environments has confirmed Ollie as an expert in the B2B sales strategy. So Ollie, it's great to finally get you onto my podcast. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you, Shell. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Ollie, let's talk a little bit about how we met because we very much met um, aligned with social media. I'd written The Business of Being Social with David Taylor, and one of my team members actually was at a LinkedIn conference. And up on the screen, you, you were hosting that conference and talking, and up on the screen was my book, and you were referring to this as a really great, useful book. Yes, uh, and you're not paying me to come and sell your book, which is fine, but it became sort of a Bible for me, did uh, Business of Being Social, because I was at LinkedIn at the time, and um, I we were obviously selling uh, LinkedIn solutions, which is social media, but we weren't selling them around social media. We weren't, we weren't selling them how I think it should be sold. And so I did a lot of research into what, what social media, how you use social media better for sales and all of these kind of things and building a brand. And uh, I read a few books and your book stood out to me because it was, um, it was perfect. It helped me understand it at a basic level, but also at advanced level because the way that it was written. So I, I became a big fan of yours very, very quickly. And even so much so that it helped me change the way that we sold went to market and it i ended up rolling out the new narrative and i'll go to market globally um at linkedin and i must say that the majority of that came from reading your book so <laughs> my, I, I my book is still right there next yeah. to me on the on the on the shelf and it has got scribbles on most pages of what i used so i got all my team to read it it helped us understand because we were advising companies how to actually use social media to sell and build a brand and everything. So it was brilliant. I even, as far as advised clients to buy your book as well. So I'll expect the commission in the post. It was, oh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it did very well that, but I, I have been trying to persuade David to say, I think we need a version three, you know, bringing it all up to date uh, around, uh, around new channels and, and new things. But that is, that was, that was great. And what, you, you know, you yourself, you were leading that team and, you know, obviously you are as well active yourself on social media um, as a leader. What, what were your views, you know, because I remember doing a, a couple of talks with LinkedIn around two leaders, around almost getting over the fear of getting out there. And, and I'd like mm. to get on to talking about leadership generally with you, Ollie, because I know it is something that you are very 
passionate about. From a leadership perspective, initially, where do you feel that social media fits in? I think, it, I mean, at one of our events, I spoke about the importance of leaders being social. And I did a lot of research into that with, I think it was Grand Frog and, and a few others. Yeah. And it was it showed me how important it is because when when they did research about trust if your trust of marketing message compared to employee message compared to ceo message or c level person message and it worked out for types of message whether it was a product message whether it was a uh, sort of a culture message or or if it was something where the company had gone um had a ne- had, had a negative impact in the press of where it needs to come from and the power of leaders ceos being social is huge and the, i think what happens what people should be slightly aware of is that if you leave it too late and something bad happens and then you start going to be becoming social it's too late because you've not built the trust so it taught me very quickly that and it's helped me in my current role here at sales loft about especially when building an employer brand it's huge because you're you're showing um that you're accessible as a person and you're showing as long as you get the right message i mean there's not being my brand i'd say is not very corporate it's very much me and what what my passions are and what my what I feel my purpose and values are. So as long as you're authentic and you're building that, you build trust and you, it helps you build a brand, an employer brand, and uh, it helps you when look at the risk side of if something bad does happen. So it, it helps in loads of ways. So I think that all leaders nowadays should be a lot more social. Luckily, I do work for a very social CEO as well, and he does a great job of it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's heartening to hear that. And I, you're so right about that trust and you can't just, Oh, okay, no, I need to get in there. It takes time, doesn't it? For people to get to know Mm. you, like you uh, and trust you. And so the sooner that journey starts, the better. And, and, um, and I know in, in some of the, the talks that I did with, with, with you and, and the people that you brought into LinkedIn, there was fear, but a lot of it was, you just got to get over that fear and start doing something and just mm. get, get out there. So, so with regards to leadership, cause I know culture, leadership, trust, these are all very important, um, aspects of being a leader, you know, the, you, building that trust, being accessible, uh, being connected to your team. And I know this is something that you really champion. Can we talk a little bit about that, Ollie, is about, you know, this podcast is all about being a connected leader. Yes, being visible and connected and, and accessible via social technologies. But what about particularly now with COVID, I think things have changed. There's been a lot of organizations having to reset and rethink about how they manage their teams, whether remotely Mm. or, you know, there's going to be more anxiety, there's going to be more uncertainty. Now more than ever, leaders really need to be stepping up as as almost, um, you know, being very connected and being very accessible. Do you want to talk a little bit about those areas yeah i think that i mean for me i think there's there's never been a time where compassionate leadership has been more important and jeff weiner used to talk a lot about this uh, at linkedin because showing the empathy of actually understanding what people are going through but being compassionate enough to actually being able to impact that and take that pain away from them 
And there's a lot of people at the moment, and what from research has shown that it's more the younger generation that mm. I think have found it harder. Um, that we've got to understand how it is for them. Just because I'm okay because I've got a family in a garden here and I've got a dog to walk in the morning doesn't mean everybody is. So I've got to make sure that that people are kept sane, kept happy. Um, and I've done quite a few talks around sort of the mental well-being in sales. And yeah. I think that this at the moment, it's not just about making sure, I mean, research shows that uh, the happier someone is, the more productive and efficient they are. It's not that happy people, are, it's not that successful people are happy, it's happy people are successful. So as a leader, I think the job is to make sure that you concentrate on the happiness of your team. And and that doesn't for one minute mean letting up on the lowering expectations. It's about setting your expectations very soon on of what you expect from someone to do work. But then getting the best from them, making sure they're happy, you're empowering them, you're giving them the support that they need and understanding their situation, which is where compassion, compassion comes in. That's to me what, it's not for everybody. That's how I see myself and that's how I see uh, leadership going and the type of organization I want to be aligned with. Others will say that sales leadership is, isn't that, it is about a numbers game and things like that. You can't take that away from sales, but at the same time, you've got to make sure, in my view, that you're concentrating on keeping connected within your team. And that is being accessible. It's making sure that we keep having the conversations. A lot of talk about Zoom fatigue at the moment, mm. which is tricky because we... Um, we try to do things as a team to stay connected as a team and for me to be on those. But what do you do? Because the first thing you say is, right, well, let's do a Zoom. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do another Zoom. So mm. it's hard finding things, maybe being quite creative and imaginative. But yeah, I think that being a connective leader at the moment, you've got to be connected still with the clients and the prospects and the, the industry influencers, mm. keep out on social. But team is very very important i mean is no matter how big a brand you have out in the market if you can't keep your team happy and motivated then it's going to be a tough ride yeah it is and um, what are you know because it is so difficult and i don't expect you to have all the answers but have you got any insights or anything that's working specifically well for you and your team at sales loft you know what what could people practically even try to start doing? Because, I mean, you mentioned Zoom and I know we're all kind of shackled to digital comms and at the moment, but but is there, are there other things that, you know, you may have explored doing? I mean, yeah, I must say some of the team have got together and we can't say whether they can get together or not outside of work and it's outside of work house, so that's fine. It is tough. I mean, one of the people this morning mentioned maybe we do a, because we try have weekly drinks but it's starting to phase out. People aren't turning up to it. But someone said, why don't we, we talked about doing it every other week or once a month, but making it more special. And you can do things like maybe a cocktail class or bread making class where you get everything sent to your house. I think for me, they are the little things. They're good. They help. I think to me, it's more about an emotional connection. That is where I believe the, the real, I wouldn't say power, it's where the real strength of a good culture lies because it's, um, if we all feel emotionally connected, and I've had people in my team start during lockdown and they've never met some of their team, but they've said they've never felt as welcome mm. and, uh, and as, as they belong in a team as they have with us. And they've worked for three other companies in the past. So I think that emotional connection is the biggest thing that I would emphasize and push. And yep. 
to me, that has to come from the leader. Um, I, we, we do something, what we call a, a MEPS check-in where we will, there's mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. We will, and it's from Schwartz and Law's um, peak performance pyramid where they did research about how people are at their peak. And wow. it's about making sure that people are, um, I mean, the, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual is about having your values and knowing your purpose. It's about making sure you're, time, you're spending time with your loved ones, making sure that you're taking breaks from your computer. And if you look at that, it's what drives uh, mental well-being as well yeah. or impacts mental well-being. So what we will do, and we did it last week because I had some personal things going on. My mum was ill and I'd forgotten about these things. I'd forgotten. I'd stopped spending time on myself and really mm. not, not spend time on myself, spending time to do what I wanted and yes. making sure that I was doing the physical activity. I'd stopped playing tennis and going for runs and stuff. And it impacted. I, was, I wasn't happy. And so last week when we did our, our stand-up, we, we, we did a MEPS check-in where you talk about which of these levels do you have the rituals in place and which ones do you need to work on more to make sure you are at your happiest and at your peak. I love um, that. I love that. It, it makes a big difference. And we, we also did it when Caroline Flack commits suicide because I think that is something where people aren't uh, somebody that wasn't didn't have someone to talk to. So if you can create an environment in the workspace where people can talk about it, and the amount of things that my team will come out with and go, I've never told anyone this, or I've never yeah. told a work colleague this. Yeah. And that builds that sort of that family where it's, and this isn't about keeping people so they don't leave. It's just making people, make sure people are happy. And one of the best books I've read is The Happiness, apart from yours, uh, is The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. And I mean, that, that's brilliant because it looks really about the science. Um, I think he's a Harvard, Harvard professor that looks at the science of happiness and how it impacts um, the, uh, the work that people do and stuff. And also it impacts the health. Let's be honest, everything is about health. If we're not healthy, it doesn't matter how much money we earn or anything like that. We, we need to be healthy. So... It has a big impact. So that's why I am so focused on being connected with the team emotionally to make sure that we're all the happiest we can be. Yeah. And it's, you know, from a, from a success perspective, you know, I love that happy people are successful. It's not success makes you happy. Um, and, and that's playing out in your role, isn't it? In, in, and you see this, you know, commercially, mm. it works. Yes, I yeah. believe so. And it, I mean, it, it impacts even, it, I believe it also even impacts how we go to market, how my team sell yeah. and everything. It's, it's, and I learned it, I also learned it, my, my first sales job was door-to-door -door sales. And it's the, one of the biggest learnings there is it's, it's a numbers game. You have 100 doors and 10 people will buy from you. You've just got to find them. So if you get to 50 doors and everyone said no, you're a lot closer to those yeses. However, if you are if you're letting it impact your mental state going, oh God, I need to close them. I need to sell something. You probably won't sell them. So when we're going to market, I know if I'm keeping my team happy and, and stuff, but they know the expectations that's required of them, they're speaking to clients and keeping to our core values and showing, portraying that happiness. The people want to deal with people that are happy. We yeah. all want to be with those people that are happy, not the people that are stressed or anything. We want to support those, but it's, yeah. it's easier to be a magnet which are magnetized to those people that are happy and smiling. Yeah. And I suppose it's not that, um, you know, it's authentic, isn't it? It's, it's because people feel whole, comfortable, uh, valued, 
grounded, just being allowed to be who they really are. There's no performance with it all that really drives that happiness. This isn't about putting on the shiny face, is it? And saying, oh, look at me, I'm all happy because, you know, underneath a lot of that that kind of uh, facade can be a lot of pain and, and anguish. But yeah. this is really about just allowing people to speak honestly, be valued, be heard, you know, be heard at, yeah. at a senior level, you know, that connection. I mean, that, that we've all been there where there's that kind of, you just don't feel heard. And, and mm. there's, there's studies about that, isn't there? Lots of studies about that's people just want recognition. They don't necessarily want mm. more money. They want, they want to be recognized that you're doing a good job or maybe you need some support or, you know, having that connection critical. I do. I also think that um, sort of having a diverse culture helps, and it's not necessarily diversity in race or gender. I think it. I mean, they are important as well, but diversity in, in cognitive diversity and different personalities. Thinking of, but rather than thinking culture fit, think culture add. And what I did when I built the team at Salesloft was really concentrate on that. So mm. when we when we took the team the team to Atlanta in their second week and. Everyone was commenting about how different people were, but when they came back, they were like, everyone's different, but I love every single team member. And they got on fantastically. And it makes, it, what I did wrong at LinkedIn, one thing when I first went into management, I built a team and it, was, I, I did, it wasn't diverse. And it was pretty much a, everyone was very, very similar. Then when you start trying to diversify from there, it's really hard because then people don't feel as welcome. So the more diverse a team you can build from the start mm. and it lets people be themselves. And then because they're so diverse, it's not a case of do they fit with the team? It's right. Okay. Well, everybody fits. Somebody will always fit. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. So it's, it's building that culture where everybody is, has, the common themes and the common values and purpose, but at the same time, making them diverse as possible. And people that know my team or people within my team often comment on that, but can also say what great people, which is where you want, I, where I believe I would make me proud of the team. How do you orchestrate that then, Ollie? You know, was that something that you, you say you did it, you felt it was wrong. You know, you, you didn't do that quite the same at LinkedIn. What was the shift? Um, I think that things have changed since I started in leadership, that diversity became more of a, an important subject. And it was maybe that I was more blind to it before. Maybe I don't know. I think that I wasn't, we all progress as leaders and we develop and we learn different yeah. things. And I think that's wasn't something I wasn't aware of in the beginning about how important and impactful a diverse team can be. By the time I had left LinkedIn, I think we'd, we'd solved that problem. We'd built that diverse team. But it was when I first went to LinkedIn and oh, sorry, when I first went into leadership and built my first team, it wasn't. Yeah, I did. I wasn't successful at that, and I wasn't aware of the importance of it. Now I am, mm. and when I come to recruit, it's um, when I have people at late stages. I, I often think, okay, what are they adding that I don't have in the team? And it's whether it's somebody um, that even so much as someone that's married with kids, no matter what age, doesn't matter about age, but what married with kids? That's another diversity that yeah. I didn't have with my first round. So making sure I have that. So that if I have someone else, they don't feel like they're coming into a team that is all the same. Um, so often just thinking to myself in skills and sort of the, the personality side or the diverse side, what do they bring that no one else has is how I've managed to build a diverse team. Yeah. 
and and just going back to the mental health then i mean it, everybody's going to feel accepted there's somebody kind of maybe like me or similar to me um or we're all just so different there's no one like anybody i don't know why that is ringing oh <laughs> ah How's, how's that come on my phone, uh, on the computer? Sorry about that, Ollie. I'll, I'll have right, to get him right. to st- cut that don't out. Um, so, so just going back to the mental health, you've said you've been doing some talks about mental health, particularly mm. in sales. Do you want to just talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the Institute of Sales Management did some research because, they, I mean, there's thousands of days lost in Britain down to... Um, mental well-being issues, anxiety, etc. And um, the Institute of Sales Management did some research to look at what were, because sales is one of the main industries. And uh, I think it's HubSpot did this original thing that I think sales account manager was either second or third highest stressful job, or is definitely top 10, mm. I can't remember where, where it lied. And um, Institute of Sales Management did some further research to look at why people felt stressed and how many people actually had considered coming out of sales and changing their job because of uh, pressures and mental anxiety. And I think if you look at the the curve that, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a specific curve that looks at where we're at our peak. If you're not got enough work on, you're, you're not at your, at your peak. But as soon as you get to being busy, it's easy to go over that peak at the top to being stressed. And mm. that's what drives burnout. And I think sales, with all the things that happen in sales, it's there's lots of pressures. Um, we, we carry targets. We've got expectations. It's a lot of you driving yourself. So there's lots of pressures involved with it. So when they did the research, things that came out quite high on reasons for it was um, workload, targets, uh, leadership style mm. and leadership style was quite prominent. And when you actually look at the other factors like targets, pressure around targets, leadership style can impact those as well. So mm. it wasn't just leadership style, but yeah. I think about three out of the top five were impacted by you could actually change leadership style to reduce the impact of those. Of those others. I'm not saying targets aren't important, but it's the way that we think about them that makes a big difference. So I did from that, I, I looked at that research and there's a, a book called The Game Plan by Dr. Steve Steve Paul, I think it is. Um, and he's a sports psychologist that's done a lot of work with the England Olympic teams, etc. And but he also consults with CEOs and businesses to help build um, sort of mental strength mm-hmm. and puts it into four areas. And those four areas he uses, they're very, very prominent in sales. It's uh, like um, when you're when you're going with well, losing a deal. So turnaround toughness, he calls it. Um, and he puts models in place to handle these situations. And as a leader, this is really important because mm. it builds resilience. And yeah. is, I've done a lot of reading around resilience as well. And it's like when somebody loses a deal, it's, it's very easy to either go, well, that's crap. You, you need to learn from it or to other leaders will try take it away from them and just go, that's okay. Don't worry about it. But the right way, what you've got to do is you've got to rebuild their confidence. So he puts a confidence peak chart in place where there's a mountain range and they talk about past successes, but you've also got to learn from the past as well. Learn from what's happened. What can we learn about this? What can we do about it now? 
to turn it around and what can we learn from it? And it's like the Matt Said's book, Black Box Thinking, about always learning from mistakes. Yeah. So it's there's certain models he puts in place that I talk about in my talks, and it's uh, it makes a big difference. And if you're aware of those as leaders and the situations that can arise, um, it's like going positive thinking and um, stuff. It does impact how we will how I lead my team. So yeah. if someone has a bad time, I will sit down with them and do certain things to help them get over it, but to learn from what's happened. And I think it's important. I think it's very important. It's it's critically important. I mean, when we look at the issues that, like you say, that impact our health and well-being, our mental health is, I mean, it's we've got rising suicides, we've got rising depression, we've got rising uh, challenges. I mean, goodness knows what's going to come out of this COVID scenario. So I think, you know, mm. leaders who have that responsibility to safeguard for want of a better word, their team to, you know, to nurture and to be there or or at least just to be informed and aware of their actions and how that can be impacting others. Mm. Um, It's critical, isn't it? And then if they can do something about it, even better. Yeah, and it's, it's also about bringing in the external factors as well because just if someone can be having a bad time at home or anything yeah. that impacts how they work. And I, I've done some talks with a lady called Angie Vo that runs a business that helps companies with mindfulness and stuff. And she tells of a story where she was working with one business and the leader had a salesperson that was always very, very successful, then all of a sudden started going downhill and wasn't doing very well. And lots of leaders would just go, right, you're not doing a good job and we're going to put you on a performance plan and all these kind of things. When actually sat down, the person was having major issues at home that was um, actually being made homeless or something like that and was really struggling to pay bills. And once they actually listened and helped them with that, their performance got straight back up. So we shouldn't assume that it's laziness, they can't do the job. There could be things that, I mean, we've all had I mean, we're, I think we're, we'd probably be not telling the truth if we say that we've never had a day where we've turned up and thought, I can't be asked with this. Yeah. It, it happens. And it, we, we're human. We're going to have those days. And I often, when I speak to companies, I was helping this company that have a mental well-being app. And when we spoke to companies, we found some companies just went, we don't have a problem. We're like, okay, how do you know mm. you don't have a problem? Well, no, nobody tells us they've got a problem. Yeah. That's the problem. You've got yeah. to create an environment yeah. where people can say, I have an issue. Yeah. So yeah there's, yeah, there's big problems out there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, are you asking? Because a lot of people just want to, you know, no, we don't have a problem. Nobody's telling us anything. Well, what are <laughs> no you doing? To, yeah, no, nobody's, nobody's asking. Wonderful. So Ollie, that's really great. And, and you, you know, um, that connection is, is absolutely critical and it is, compassionate leadership you know that you talk about is 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 going to be so needed it it is it's always been needed but even more so now isn't it as we mm. as we move through this pandemic and and this level of uncertainty um and you know i've been in organizations where i've i've voiced some of these concerns about teams and i've i've almost been told i'm a softy you know uh, oh you're a bit of a softy because you're concerned about that but actually it takes great courage doesn't it for leaders to to move to move to, to give of themselves and be that connected and open Rather than, I, I, I believe so. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I do. Th- I think it's a big thing to be open. I, I am very open about 
what's happened in my past. Yeah. Um, and it's it, whether it's um, a number of miscarriages that me and my wife had or cancer in the family, things like this. I'm very open about those. And I think it impacts how people can feel open. Yeah. Um, and Google did do some research to find what makes a team the highest performing. And it was only when uh, one of their leaders talked about the his struggles with cancer when he was at an offsite that they actually realized that that openness creates that team environment. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a huge thing. It's something that um, I think that you, you're right. I think people go, people may think that that leader is a soft leader, but I also believe, and I was, I was I mentor someone that I was on the, on talking to before this call. And I often, I also believe that, Having that style of leadership, if you do get pissed off, people listen to you more. Yeah. So I am very rarely annoyed. Yes. But if I am, then people go, oh, he's annoyed. Yeah. Because they know it's important. So that that becomes more powerful. And I think that the more people get behind you as a leader and they see you as a leader, not a manager, that's so important. People yeah. work for those people yeah. and they'll put more effort in and more work. And that's it. I mean, you I, want, I believe. Yeah. And as a leader, you need those people to follow you, don't you? It's not, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be dragging them and you shouldn't be kind of, sh they shouldn't be shackled to you. It's, there is, they, they are, you're guiding them and they are very happy to be led. Um, yeah. it, it's human connection, isn't it? That's what we're, yeah. we're talking about. That openness creates human yeah. connection and trust, you, you know, and that's when it all boils down to everything, that's, it's kind of all there is. Um, I, think, I think you can also, it's, um, it is important that you develop and push people as well. Because yeah. if, if it is a case of, okay, well, they're just happy, that there are, there are other things that people need to develop um, and oh, not to develop, to be happy and to progress. And if you are just concentrating on happiness, you're not pushing them to be better. You're not developing yeah. them to be better. They become stagnant. They'll soon realize that, yeah, I'm just happy, but I'll move on. But I think if you can get that right mix yeah. Then I think it's that's what works, or yeah. I believe it works. That's that's where I felt motivated before yeah. for believers. Yeah, it, it gets the best out of people, doesn't it? People want to give their best and do more. Um, you know, we all feel better like that when we're motivated. That that mm. is brilliant. So I've got some questions for you that I like to ask, just to get. Given that you are so open, let's find out some a little bit more about uh, Ollie, our leader on this podcast. So um, these are very quick fire questions, and um, I know you read a lot of books, so I. Know one question you know you could say so it's going to be a tough tough question for you so uh, I'm going to start with a rather large question if you could change one thing in the world what would it be uh, <laughs> uh, my wife often uh, laughs at me about this um, I would love for people to be more aware I uh, and I know there's big problems in the world I know there's COVID and all of these kind of things I'm not taking anything away no. from those but um, I think that um, lack of awareness at many different levels in, in emotional intelligence, but also of people that stop at the top of an escalator and start looking at the map, that's a lack of awareness that there's people <laughs> behind them. So lack of awareness and just sort of being, and it brings in the compassionate side and, and stuff as well. But yeah, I'd like for everybody to be aware. Yes. would be lovely yeah love that and maybe love that, that would probably that would probably impact the bigger problems in the world obviously not COVID well it might have because it, may it might stop COVID quicker but it would also change the bigger problems in the world but I think it's a problem for awareness yeah wonderful and this is your trick, tricky question for you Ollie which book have you read your book <laughs> <laughs> 
which is which has inspired you recently you haven't read my book recently have you uh, well, no, I read your most, your most recent book. Oh, you did read that, so yeah, yeah. I did read that. Um, in, in all honesty, um, a book that you will, will have read, I'm ash- I should think, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, I think. That, oh. um, it, was, uh, it was at a time that I realised I maybe could have been happier, but it taught me a lot about myself. Normally when I read a book, I'm forever scribbling in the book. No one wants to buy a book off me because it is literally just scribbled yeah. all over. However... This one, and normally it is just sort of highlighting areas that are, are important that I would use again and stuff. With The Monkey Sold His Ferrari, I actually wrote pages and pages of notes of learnings about myself. Wow. This was, it wasn't repeating the book. It was things that while I was reading it, I was going, okay, yeah. And I learned things about myself, like certain things around my expectations of myself, where that comes from and who am I trying to please. Mm. And it, it got really deep. And I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> so Robin, Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari, I thought was fantastic. I've advised some of my team to read it, and every one of them has just been like, "That's just amazing! It's yeah. a fantastic book." I can. You've got to do a workshop, Ollie, on that. That's a, that's a workshop. You yeah, workshopped is, that um, book. <laughs> it's fantastic. Fantastic, brilliant, and it is a sensational, a sensational book. Um, and last but certainly not least, what's the best piece of advice you have been given to date? Uh, being given or will live by? What's the best bit of advice? You can you can mm. choose. I think one that I um, sort of think about myself a lot. It's about um, just treating others how you want to be treated. And it is at every level. And I think that we get the best from each other by working together on anything. And it was one thing I realized, and I had that mentality because when LinkedIn became a big company and I would help others and I'd expect others to help me where I needed it. And it's amazing how impactful that is. Especially when it comes to looking for a job, all of the opportunities I had were through my network. My job came through someone saying, Ollie's fantastic, great to work with, great for our culture. Yeah. And it's um, just treating others how we want to be treated mm. is a huge thing. And it, no matter who they are, absolutely, yeah. uh, at any level, whatever they are, I think it's very important and it makes for a happier life for everybody. And um, we'll all get on well. Yeah. Wonderful. I love, love, love that. So that's it for our podcast, Ollie. Thank it's you. Been, I really been, enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, we're talking about the connected leader on so many levels there, you know, such a, so, so many insights, such, such powerful, um, powerful insights, you, you know, honest insights. And, uh, and that is, all about what this podcast is about being connected not just through social technologies you know that they are but vehicles but it's what we what we share and how we connect which is which is key so thank you so much for being my guest thank you thank you very much you've been listening to the get social connected leader podcast thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too so be sure to check those out. 
So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.